previously on Relative Fiction. Nicole is my, I guess, half-sister, right? I just cried because I knew that you had found us, but he was gone. Wasn't a con man. He was, he was a normal dude, awesome dad. When they went for the child support hearings, she never showed. If you ever want to go visit his grave, I will go with you. Bonnie called David, and they had a huge fight. He was like, I'm done, I'm done. Uh, he never saw her again or spoke to her. She was a spoon. How's that? She liked to stir stuff up. And my mom's like, Chili, I think I found her. I think this is Nicole. We have changed some names to protect people's privacy. But all of these stories are true. From the moment I stepped out of the Palm Reader's house, I was on my own. I had to initiate the entire process of learning the truth about my dad. I had to confront my family, console and reassure them through their guilt and anger, become an amateur detective, and then summon the courage to go knocking on the doors of complete strangers. It was exhausting. And after 13 years, I was ready to move on. So in 2016, I hung up my detective hat, moved with my dog Ponyo to sunny Los Angeles, and figured that was it. I was ready for palm trees, a dose of vitamin D, and to begin a new chapter of my life with no more secrets. But then, one afternoon in Los Angeles, as I was unpacking my porcelain poodles and deciding how best to display my doily collection, I received a message. And she got back to me practically, I think was the same day, because I asked her, was your mother? David was my brother. I'm wondering if you are the Nicole that I'm thinking of. And she came right back. Oh my gosh, yes, yes, yes. This is Julie, my dad's younger sister, a newly discovered aunt. And she wasn't working alone. Aunt Julie had been asked to find me by my grandmother, Bonnie. From Oregon Public Broadcasting, I'm Nicole J. Georges, and you're listening to Relative Fiction. If you tell a lie enough, right, it becomes the truth, and that's the only thing you know. This is terrible of me, but because of his history, the first thing I thought was, does he have another family? I do remember that he hired a private investigator to try and find you, but they changed your name. You're going to get really different stories from different people. There's not going to be a central story in some ways, and that's the story. Like, how could all these things happen to us growing up? And no one noticed. It made me really question, did all of this happen the way I remember it? With the help of my producer, Claudia Meza, we'll be delving into the heart of one of the most nebulous mysteries of the universe, family. Chapter four, lost and found. My dad's widow, Tina, had warned me not to go hunting for Bonnie and her side of the family, but they had done all the hunting. When my mom would go out of town, any other city, and you're in a hotel room and there's a phone book, my mom looked up the Georges and there wasn't, you know, or it wouldn't be the right one. But she did it all the time. This was before Facebook and she got me doing it too. She says, Julie, one of these days, I'm gonna find that family. My grandmother had been searching for me since I was a toddler. 
I remember my mom saying, Julie, would you call this attorney's office in Canton? Because I think Nicole's uncle works there. And you can ask him about Nicole. And I'm like, I can't cold call an attorney, not about business, but call his office about a family member. I don't know how to do that. As Julie told me this story, I could hear my uncles denying I ever existed. But soon, Aunt Julie and Grandma didn't have to rely on phone books or stonewalling uncles. Then she got where there was Facebook in the computer, and she would Google the names. My mom would occasionally go and snoop around on people's pages that she was not friends with. There was a no-privacy setting that would prevent from checking out everything, so she did. It was during one of these routine lurkings that she found me, commenting on one of Tina's rescue dog photos. Even after his passing, this cutoff grandma would still visit her grandchildren's Facebook pages, taking all that she could from the glimpses she got into their lives. Unbeknownst to me, she'd met me when my dad and mom were still together. I don't know how much your mother ever talked about this, but my mom, from the couple times she was around you when you were little and took those couple pictures of you, she said, David adores that little girl and she adores David. She would say a lot of things to me about just how sweet you were together. It was one of these pictures that my grandmother took that my father had carried in his wallet. I thought of my grandmother doing the same, but her picture also included her estranged son, each holding on to their lost child the only way they could. When mom first realized that David and your mother were no longer together, she started in on David about, you need to keep in contact with her. You need to know where she is. You need to see her. Julie said my father never outright told his family what had happened, just that he and my mom split up. David's relationships were always like, well, what happened now? And we usually only got his end of it. So we really didn't know. He doesn't know where you are or is not looking. I can say I have no idea if David tried to keep up with you. So for nearly three decades, my grandmother and her entire family wondered, what ever happened to me? My dad was as secretive as my mother about that time, and David's estrangement from his mom only made it harder to keep tabs. But here we were, two amateur detectives finally solving the case. I did feel some apprehension, though. This was the same grandmother Tina told me was wicked, the woman who didn't go to my father's funeral, that had called poor Tina by my mother's name for years. This was Bonnie the Spoon. But also, my grandma Bonnie was the only person who seemed to have been actively looking for me, possibly my entire life. And honestly, that counted for something. I felt like there was finally an adult in my family taking responsibility. But I wouldn't have time to mull this over, because my Aunt Julie mentioned there was another thing. Grandma Bonnie needed to meet me urgently. My grandmother was 90 years old with stage 4 stomach cancer. We didn't have much time. I figured if Grandma Bonnie was as evil as I'd heard, I could find out on my own. And through another uncanny coincidence, my move to LA meant that I was now one hour away from her. So I drove my Prius to my father's childhood home. Along with Ponyo, 
I let myself into a modest ranch-style house with a giant lemon tree overhanging a tidy green backyard. Grandma was taking a nap. My aunt was gone getting snacks. I perched on an overstuffed couch, looking out at the sun-drenched yard, and waited. I was once again stepping into a stranger's home, hoping to find remnants of my father and any connection I might have had with him. As lovely and inviting as Tina and David Jr. had been, their life had felt so unlike my own. In my father's childhood home, it felt different. I have always discounted biology's impact on my sense of self. I think of identity as a construct, and I'm a firm believer in chosen family. I formed my sense of self without much to go on. I didn't have much in common with the family I grew up with. We didn't look alike. We didn't have the same mannerisms or interests. At least if I were adopted, there would have been an origin story to explain all our differences. All I had was a dead dad. Here's my aunt, Julie. And when I saw Nicole, it's like, ah, you know, she's got this thing that already there's like this thing. And then seeing her books and the artwork and our family, we all sketch and draw and paint. And, you know, we may not be good, but we all love it. So when I saw that, it's like, oh, you know, I don't know if she has any of that from her mom's side. I do not have that from my mom's side. When my grandmother woke up from her nap, she padded out of her room and stared at me with curiosity, soaking in my face past my glasses. I stared back at her bright eyes and soft brown wig, our identical body types and gestures. I was starting to believe in biology. I was surrounded by faces and mannerisms that had something to do with my own. The reptile part of my brain the part that was all instincts and survival, recognized I was home. And yet, I couldn't shake the feeling I was betraying my mother. She hadn't even wanted me to know that these people existed. But here we were, cracking jokes and sharing details about our lives, Bonnie and I were hungry for each other's company. There was so much to say. And surely, while I have no doubt she was a spoon, I was not detecting evil. She showed me the birds living in a homemade aviary, held my dog Ponyo on her lap, jokingly scolding her to close her legs when she splayed out. You're a lady, she said. She gave me paintbrushes and promised to show me her own drawings. At the end of the day... Grandma loaded my car up with giant lemons from her tree and succulent plants she had propagated in plastic margarine containers. I promised to visit her again, and I did. As news spread that I'd been found, more and more members from my father's side of the family emerged. Aunts, uncles, and cousins I never knew were passing my memoir around, learning the story behind my disappearance. I can't imagine what that was like for you that year where, you know, you find your grandmother, you find these aunts and uncles, and your book is being published. This is LaDonna, my father's first cousin. LaDonna is a therapist, a writer, and an artist. She's one of the many allies I've discovered through my Aunt Julie and Grandma Bonnie. 
She articulated the things I wished my mother could have said. All these wonderful things are happening, but all of them are head spinning in terms of the emotional and psychic energy that it takes to process all of it. Just wow. LaDonna was very close with my grandmother and my Aunt Julie. She was privy to their detective mission to find me. They knew about you, and they always wondered what had happened. They cared about you, and they were just heartsick that, you know, you'd been kind of kidnapped in a way. Kidnapped? Kidnapped. That was a word I hadn't heard before when discussing my predicament. But as I spoke to more and more family members from my father's side, I came to learn that they were all under the impression I had basically been kidnapped by my own mother. Coming up after the break. I had to promise her or I couldn't talk to you. But she said I'd never see or hear from you or her again. Welcome back. This is Relative Fiction. Why had this idea of kidnapping never occurred to me? Maybe it's because I was raised in a society where it was common for dads to abandon their kids. And I didn't even consider that his family would have cared if I went missing. My father's widow, Tina, alluded to him never signing away his parental rights. He was, you know, doing the child support for you, but that would have meant joint custody. And I think maybe that's what freaked your mom out. You know, I don't know what happened between the two of them. I just know where I came in. And of course, I hear his side. At the time, I felt really bad for him. And I do remember that he hired a private investigator to try and find you. I remembered all the times we had moved as kids. Was my mom just trying to dodge his reach? I also remembered what my sister Megan said about the mutation of the lie changing from him abandoning me to... We don't want him to come take Nicole. It was like there was a weird theory that maybe he would come kidnap her. Tina shared that all those times we moved without notifying my dad would be... I think borderline illegal without his permission. I may be an amateur detective, not a legal scholar. But this does seem pretty shady. I do remember he talked to me about, I'm going to get my daughter. She's only two years old. And he had his picture. I have no idea if my father signed away his parental rights or not in the divorce. And my mom is not talking. But theoretically, technically, yes. Hiding your child away from their parent is generally not allowed. But if the other person, the other parent has moved on and stopped looking, quite possibly relieved? What do you call it then? One story cut through simple semantics of what my mother had done. It haunted me. The last time I saw my grandmother, she was really sick, but she wanted me to know what happened. I asked if I could record her using my phone. My grandma had called my house when I was around six years old. She had found a number for me during one of her blind phone book searches. Because I'll never forget your mother telling me, you'll never hear from us again. 
David was killed in a car wreck. It was then she learned my mother had killed off my dad in my life story. The way Grandma Bonnie described her interactions with my mom, it sounded a little like a hostage situation. And she said, you can speak to Nicole, but you're to only tell her you're an old friend of mine. She said, you are not to tell her who you are or anything about you, her dad. I cried. I'm not one to cry. But when she did that, and she put you on the phone, just kill me. I had to promise her, or I couldn't talk to you. But she said I'd never see her here from you or her again. And I thought, you're punishing me. I didn't cause it. Even though she followed the rules, Grandma got cut off after this call. She was too close to the truth. She wouldn't hear my voice again for over 30 years. I grew up with no trustworthy men in sight. By the time my mom married my most recent stepdad, when I was in middle school, I was jaded. He asked to adopt me, and I declined. I didn't want to be anybody's girl. I wanted to belong to myself. The first crack in my shell, the idea of belonging and what I'd missed out on, hit me when I looked through David Jr.'s evidence of our father as a father. And now, in his childhood home with the warm woman rabble-rouser who raised him, belonging wasn't even a choice. No matter where I was, who tried to hide me, or how many tattoos I acquired, I still belonged to this family. I also understood how painful and strange it must have been for my dad to be cut off from them, from this yard with the lemon tree where he grew up. I was home, but I was brand new. It didn't feel right to ask my ailing grandmother why she didn't attend her own son's funeral. But I did still wonder. And what did it say about my dad that he had split from this woman who seemed so lovely to me? I wasn't going to find out any more from my grandma, But my Aunt Julie was ready to fill in the gaps. Young Julie grew up idolizing my dad. David, from my earliest memory, was very charismatic. Everybody wanted to be David's friend. It didn't matter how he treated you, made fun of you, um, joked about you. It just didn't matter. He had this magnetic thing about him that if you could just be around him, that was good enough. She expounded on his brilliance. David always was thinking up big ideas, always planning, plotting, figuring out some new thing he could do or a way to do an old thing a new way. Just inventive. He was very inventive. She remembered that when my dad had met up with my mom, he was just coming from another relationship. Like, that's his life story. My brother has many children, many, uh, some wives, some girlfriends. Um, It's just the truth. And uh, I loved him dearly, but he was kind of a ladies' man. Very good looking. Very, very, very good looking. And I was used to women always wanting to be with him. 
My aunt also mentioned that when he was first courting Tina, he was still married to my mom. I assume my mom was off with her Prince Farhan at this point, so she wasn't exactly at home crying. Tina had also brought this up in our conversations and stated my dad had been very forthcoming about all that he was going through during his separation. But it seems in the days leading up to their wedding, my dad did manage to surprise Tina. Here's my Aunt Julie again. It was a big wedding. She's Italian, you know, fairly big wedding. But the kicker was that the day of the wedding that morning, he said to me, hey, last minute I know, and I, I'm sorry, but how about if I leave the boys? He was getting, Brendan and Jason, he was getting custody of them, which shocked everybody. And he wanted to leave them at our house for like a month while he went to Italy on his honeymoon, and he had not asked ahead of time. Brendan and Jason were the sons my father had and left before he created me. I reached out to them for this podcast, but they didn't respond. So (laughs) I was put in the spot of I'm either a rotten sister and my brother can't go on his honeymoon or I take these two boys whose life is in an uproar because they're leaving their mother to go live with him. And now he's getting married to somebody they don't even know. I mean, so (laughs) I remembered my mom's sister threatening to call child services on her for trying to pull a similar stunt with me while she was off with Farhan. Tina said when this happened, her own mother started to wonder if my dad was the right choice for her. Fair question. My mom was asking me if I knew what I was getting into. And your dad was like, okay, here they are. And I got to go to work. And going to work for him was like he'd be gone for days at a time. So the boys and I kind of eventually adapted. We did do counseling because it just freaked me out. It freaked them out. And your dad was just working all the time. And he didn't want to do any counseling. He didn't need any counseling. This was all feeling very familiar. A parent with no need for counseling, giving less thought to their child's welfare than I would to finding a dog sitter. David Jr. and Tina told me my dad was a good guy. Now I was hearing more conflicting stories. I needed to understand who this person was. I had been so satisfied with the redemption arc that he was given by Tina and David Jr. But what if my mom was right? So I asked Aunt Julie more pointed questions about my father's character. But she suggested that I speak to someone that knew my father even better than her. Possibly the person that knew my father best. How did I meet David? Well, David was, I was in the barracks in the Navy, of course, and uh, David, well, I didn't know it was David at the time. Somebody was outside and they were gunning his car as fast as it would go and then dropping it into gear and it'd go clunk, clunk, clunk. And I stood there and watched him for a little bit and said, who's that dumb SOB? Come to find out a little bit later that he gets to work for me and I get to train him. And I thought, oh God, no, not him. This is Del Knight, Aunt Julie's husband. Okay, my name is Delmer Knight. I'm 78 years old. And I've been married to Julie for 48 years, thereabouts. I'm a CPA, or I was a CPA. I retired from that in 1999. Other than that, why, not too much about me. 
that's not true. For one, Dell was my dad's commanding officer in the Navy. It was on the USS Lafayette, but that's a uh, nuclear-powered submarine, carried missiles. We'd go to sea for 60, 70 days at a time, and we'd submerge the day we went out, and we wouldn't surface till the day we came in. So we were pretty much isolated from everything. Dell knew my dad from his late teens up until he was middle-aged. He was also kind of like a surrogate father figure to him. As Dell and Aunt Julie put it, Yeah, David wanted me to marry either his sister or his mother. Either one would have suited him. <laughs> yeah, and the age difference either side of Dell was about the about same. The same. <laughs> so he could have gone older by about 13, 14 years or younger. Such a weird proposition. <laughs> this is very strange. You could have been my grandpa or my uncle. You're right. <laughs> I think uncle was better for you. My dad clearly loved Dell so much, he wanted him to be part of his family. They had, after all, bonded at very close quarters. Under the ocean. What was David's job on your submarine? Pleasing me. <laughs> David's job, at first, he was driving the submarine. But then he graduated wow. from that and came back and started working for me. And You graduated from being the sub driver? <laughs> that was normally the lowest rated person on board who got to drive the submarine. Well, I was going to say, that's the same guy who was trying to wreck his engine outside yeah, your Yeah, same barracks. guy. Same guy. <laughs> Here, take the sub. He drove a submarine? Throughout his life, my father seems to have had a list of jobs taken straight out of a 1950s children's book about men. I learned he was a coal miner, a construction worker, and a race car driver. Years after emerging on dry land, Dell and my dad had even gone into business together a few times, until Dell became uncomfortable with my dad's business practices. Uh, he brought these two guys home, and David was always, he could always attract, otherwise want to say undesirable people. <laughs> he brought two of them home one time, and they were starting a business, and they wanted me to do the books for them, even though I was still in school. So I started asking them, well, where'd you get this? Well, we stole it. I said, oh, okay, well, where'd you get this other stuff? Well, we stole it, too. We don't have any money to buy this stuff. We're just starting our business. So I said, well, I said, I think that uh, you want somebody other than me to keep your books. All right, and we won't bother you. So then... Uh, I went down to my sister's the following day and was gone most of the day. And I come home and my television set was gone. So somebody had gotten into the house and stolen my TV set. And of course, I always figured it was these two guys since they were stealing everything else. I figured they probably they took needed, my TV. They needed set. a TV for their business. But I never, never followed up on it. It wasn't much. Aunt Julie quickly jumped in to defend her brother. This is what I will say about David. Yes, he would make a buck off of you if he could, but he would also work next to you 24 hours a day till he was absolutely worn to a frazzle and get up two hours later and do it again. Now, I don't think David would be a thief. There's just no way. Like I said, he wouldn't think twice about fencing something that he's stolen goods. But for him to actually go out and steal, I don't think he would. I myself am a reformed shoplifter. I had a very similar complicated moral compass as a teenager. I would never steal from an individual or a mom and pop shop, but giant corporations and big box stores felt like fair game. 
I'm pretty sure there are still pictures of me up in the security closet of an urban outfitter somewhere. Aunt Julie admitted. So David had gone to juvenile hall once or twice. He blew up a phone booth or something. I don't know. He robbed a liquor store with some boys. My dad and his friends figured out that you could get into the stock rooms of certain stores in town using manholes. The police managed to track the manhole right to the friend's house, and there's the stuff. So my mom was just like, uh, you know, uh, my dad was probably going to end up actually putting his hands on him. It was getting that bad. So she contacted her parents, my grandparents, who were very, very close to David. They just loved him, and David loved them, and they lived in the Midwest. And my grandpa was like, yes, 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 send him out. You know, it'll be great. Well, my <laughs> brother did the same thing. He just started acting out all the things that my grandfather thought he could enforce. He couldn't. So anyway, eventually that's when David went into the Navy because nobody could deal with him anymore. He was headed the wrong way completely. And I remember my mother having to sign for him to be allowed to go in, so he probably wasn't even 18 yet. From what my father's side of the family could remember, it was an ultimatum from a judge, go to jail or enter the Navy. I imagined how fraught his relationship must have been with his mom by this point. Could this have been the start of their trajectory to estrangement? My aunt was convinced that, despite what my mom said, he didn't grow up to become a criminal. And Dell, even through his lived experience of possibly getting robbed by my dad's friends, stated the same. The way Dell put it, my dad was just a thrill seeker. And he always said that if something doesn't make the hair on the back of your neck stand up, you're not having fun. <laughs> That's how he lived life. <laughs> oh, yeah. Dell and my father were best buds until my father stopped talking to his mother. Dell was invited into the family and then cut off just the same. I asked them both if they had any idea of why he cut everyone off. And they both seemed just as puzzled by my dad's silence. Nobody could figure it out. Nobody. And David stopped answering. I would send Christmas cards, birthday cards, get nothing back. Um, I, we tried to call him, won't answer the phone. Suddenly there's a new phone number <laughs> that we don't have. So, yeah, I, I don't know why he did that exactly. That was hurtful. But even still, they both remember my father fondly. He was a very kind person. He was, you know, for me, we were like brothers, and we would do anything for each other. If somebody would start getting after me the way he was, he would have put him down, and I would have done the same thing for him, you know. Dell seemed to be able to recognize that my father was more complicated than just a con man or a cool dad. I asked Dell what he would say if another estranged offspring of David's came to him, asking what their father was like. What would he tell them? Amazing. He was amazing. Uh, he was kind, but at the same time, he could be extremely mean. Poor David's dead now, so I was going to say I wouldn't recommend they try to find him because it probably would do more harm than good. He was a great friend. So, he was a great friend. But would he have been a great dad to me? Why do you think it would do more harm than good? I think it would hurt the child more than they would want to be hurt, because I don't think David would uh, be that receptive to finding out that he 
did have yeah. another child out there. When I said that, it would be protecting the child more than David, obviously. And I think if you've got a good life going, continue with it. Now, I've never been in a situation where I had to try to find somebody that, you know, was my dad or anything. I just want to stick this in there. If you had showed up in his life, it'd be a whole different story because he knew about you. And he had a relationship with you for a couple of years. That's a whole different thing than oh, somebody yeah. popped out of the woodwork and he had no knowledge of them. Yeah, it I, wouldn't surprise me if he would say, no, you're not my child. But if you had been able to meet him, I do think it would have touched him. It didn't seem completely impossible that my dad maybe had another kid somewhere out there. As my aunt Julie put it, it's so hard to keep track of David in his lives, you know, because every woman he was with, he had a totally different kind of a life. He lived in a different place and had different pets and had different kids and and he didn't mix them. It's kind of like when he got to the end of one story, that was the end of that story. And then he wrote a new story. What do you think his perspective was on women and their emotions? And like people that wanted him to still be accountable to them after he had moved on. I don't think he had any feelings toward them. I really don't. I, I don't know. My I, mom used to conjecture that maybe it hurt so much when things went bad that he had to do that. Just self-protection. Like I have to put them in a compartment over here and I'm never going to look at it again because it's just too hard. But it always went bad because of him. Yeah. I, I mean, think. he always he always left. David got bored easily. He would get bored with a woman and he'd just leave and he wouldn't look back. I mean, if he would have looked back, it would probably drove him nuts, but he never looked back. He made a decision that he was leaving and he just left. That's certainly what my mom still says. He abandoned me. David Jr. and Tina thought my dad would have been happy to have me in his life. Now I wasn't so sure. Maybe Tina and David's life was representative of the identity my dad had created for himself as an older adult. A curated version of all he had wanted to be. A present father, a devoted husband, a consistent breadwinner. Maybe my grandmother Bonnie and the rest of his family were reminders of all his past hardships. Maybe I was too. Relics from his past he wanted to get away from. But then, why carry a picture of me in his wallet for all of these years? I wanted to talk to my dad in the only way I could. My attitude with dead people is the same as my attitude with living people. I don't talk to men I don't fucking know. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't just trust people because they're dead. Like, that's ridiculous. the next episode. But I am starting to see your father. I see what you mean by a Jim Belushi face. Okay, yeah. yeah. Relative Fiction is brought to you by Oregon Public Broadcasting. It's hosted by me, Nicole J. Georges, and written and produced by Claudia Meza and myself. Sage Van Wing is our executive editor. All original music is by Carolyn Pennypacker Riggs. Sound design and audio editing by Claudia Meza. And all mixing and mastering by Stephen Cray. Special thanks to Ryan Haas, Elizabeth Miller, and Anna Griffin. We'd love to hear from you. 
Do you have a wild family mystery you're still trying to figure out? Tell us about it. Leave us a voicemail at 503-293-1993. Did you know my dad? Email us at relativefiction at opb.org. If you like our podcast, please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts and leave a review. It really helps people find us. Also, Relative Fiction and all OPB's compelling storytelling and podcasts are made possible by the support of our members. Do your part to help make it happen. Become a sustaining member with an ongoing monthly contribution or make a single contribution now at opb.org pod.